Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew. Yeah. My grandchildren talked me into learning Pokemon Go. Oh. Do you know about that? I have no idea. Okay. The people who are listening that know about it will understand that at first, when you're a Pokemon Go trainer, which I am, you capture these incredible- Oh, oh I do know what that is. Yeah. You know about it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you throw this little ball at them and it captures them. And they're magical fantasy creatures. And they evolve and they turn into other stuff. But where I'm at in this, I've been doing this nearly a week now. Um, Ooh. I know, with my grandchildren all through Parkway Plaza, and it's go, so they're exercising, and I'm into that kind of stuff, right? Our guest today is like one of those fantasy, magical creatures that you capture, but poof, they oh, can escape. She's a Pikachu. She's like a Pikachu. Oh, my. goodness. So this fantasy <laughs> guest that we have on right now, the delightful, the wonderful Alexis Casimiro, Hello, Hi. friend. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. And I share you with Matt. How did that happen? I know. I love Matt and Heidi. Yeah. And we the, go back We go back a long time. Yeah, we yeah. do. Okay. Sunrise days, because yep. we went to church together at sunrise. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Let me share part of my first experience with Alexis. So Alexis was running downtown El Cajon for many years. She was in charge of the entire downtown El Cajon. Mm-hmm. I was very involved with the Chamber of Commerce. And so we were trying to work on a project together, but the players weren't playing right, right? right? Yeah. So we met each other and we had some lunch and it became supernatural, mm-hmm. didn't it? It really was awesome. I've got a Holy Spirit goosebumps right now. I can pull up my sleeves and show them to you. So on one level, it's just natural because people fall in love with you quite easily. That, that's just how that works. And so that's on the norm. That's just normal when that happens. But something seriously happened in the spirit. And it was the first time we had sat down together. Yep. We'll skip all of the lunch conversation because we will have conversation right now. <laughs> but that ended up in an incredible event in front of a Christmas tree in downtown El Cajon, didn't it? It sure did. How do you explain that? Because I've told <laughs> it to people and they mostly didn't believe it. Well, my amazing and wonderful and absolutely loving and patient and kind husband. I love him too. He's so fantastic, isn't he? Agree. Ugh. Hi, Anna. Uh, asked me to marry him numerous times. And I said, yes, but I, because I was an event coordinator for so many years, my mother and brother and I have been doing this since I can remember. I didn't want... To put on this big show for everybody. I just wanted it to be really a special moment for Adam because he deserves that moment. He has asked and asked and been patient and waited and said, well, what more do I need to do? And I, I said, know how that goes. <laughs> you do. Yep, you sure do. And so I said, I want you to ask me in front of the Christmas tree downtown on Cajon, and I want you to pull on Mayor Wells' jacket, and I want you to say to him, I need to ask Alexis a question. And so he did, and it was so fantastic because only Mayor Wells, myself, my amazing mother, who can put a party on in 2.2 seconds, and Daryl Priest. Yep. 
where he lets us put that Christmas tree. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's a huge Christmas tree, and we were lighting it that night. Yep. Right? First time ever to, we had a, a Christmas tree in downtown Alcohol, it was so wonderful. And those were the only folks that knew what I was going to do. So when he asked me to marry him, I said under one condition. And he said, oh, my gosh, his face was, he got a little nervous. Like, what is she going to make me do now? <laughs> and I said, we're going to do it right now. Um, and you came out from the, behind the Christmas tree. <laughs> and his face, we caught that. that yeah, look. yeah. It I have a picture. So Sylvia's, my wife has got it in her office. And there were hundreds oh, of there people out so there. so many people. Yeah, yeah. So fantastic. Yeah. I was a little jealous I didn't get invited. <laughs> well, the whole city got invited. Well, I don't know how I got invited. <laughs> he probably lives in Santee. <laughs> and it's you were just telling me that's like eight years ago? It, it, yeah. Man, oh man, we've been playing together a long time. Yeah. Okay, so that was an extraordinary ceremony and marriage. Mm -hmm. Let's fast forward a little bit, because mm -hmm. we only have a few minutes together. Um, you're doing some special stuff right now. And we had a long conversation about it, and it just smacked. It smelled, it tasted like Jesus. And the people that I invite on here to have a conversation with, and people that are eavesdropping on that right now, it's so they can see themselves in the story. Mm -hmm. Because maybe they could be a part of that, or maybe they have a version of that, or maybe that's how they're built to share Jesus with people. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing that right now? Tell me about it. Well, I have to kind of line it up just a bit. Give me two minutes to just line up how I got to where I'm at right now. Working for Downtown El Cajon, Adam and I were pregnant with our little boy, and we had lost him halfway through the pregnancy. So I'm sure so many people are listening to this, and they can relate very much with losing that pregnancy, and only those people will understand that feeling. It's so difficult on so many levels. It is a loss that I wish on no one. It's so difficult. So my mental state at that moment, I was very sad. I felt very alone. And all I cried out to Jesus was, I just need you to heal me. I just need you to fix this because there is no words people can say to you. There is not some special thing you can do. You just need time, healing, and Jesus to fix that yeah. pain. That's it. Agreed. So then the downtown Lacombe business partners consolidated their office and let go of the only three employees, which I was one of. Then COVID hit. So it mm. was like, bam, 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 one thing after another. And so my mother and brother and I got together and said, what are we going to do? So many of these people that would set up booths and sell their items at all of our events were reaching out to us saying, what are we going to do? And we were one of them. So my, my mother sold her home and used every last dollar she had in her savings and retirement and opened up Junction 101. And what it is is a co-op. It's made up of over 100 small businesses and we are all paying the rent together and we are all just trying to survive together. It's kind of the new way of people doing business now because COVID forever changed the event industry and um, small businesses were affected all across the board. So we really, really try our very hardest to give those small businesses that lost their brick and mortar, that lost their big time paying jobs, 
lost their homes, whatever, everybody has a, a different story. We want to help them because everybody needs a couple extra bucks now for gas or everything's more now. Yep. When I lost my job and COVID happened and all these things started happening, I experienced depression and I wasn't really able to say that before. Losing the baby was the first experience I've ever really had with that. It was so difficult because I had my other babies and they need me. Right. Another reason why Junction 101 was created was because people were experiencing depression. Sure. That maybe had never even said that word out loud. And how can we help them? So my mom... She's just so amazing. She says, well, Alexis, we're just going to all be together. We have to have a safe place for people to go and feel like they're not going to be shut down and that the county is going to say, you can't have this, you can't have that, or you have to close your doors because you don't provide anything that's necessary to... Essential. You know, yeah. So what makes us essential? I could argue that all day But that's for long. another podcast. Yes, <laughs> totally. So we just made sure that we have those certain things in the store where we were essential. So one way I was able to bring something into the house was I piled my little minivan up with all my kiddos and would go to all these food distributions. I would go to all the community outreaches that, that people started putting on and I started reaching out to my old contacts. Like for instance, Captain Kelsey, you know how wonderful they are. Yeah. The Kelseys are amazing and such a blessing. She saw me and said, Alexis, what are you doing? What? You're in this line. You've been in this in our line at Salvation Army. I said, I'm filling up my van. I'm going to take what I can use for my family. And my children and I are going to deliver door-to-door in, in my mobile home park where I live. We have over 200 residents there. And she just was in tears. Hmm. Because here I had reached out to her just the year before to set up the Salvation Army band to play at our Christmas event. And... You know, all these things. And here I am. Now I need the help. Yeah, you're on the other side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God blessed Adam and I with a beautiful baby girl, Coco, and she is now three. And so fantastic. And that has brought such healing. So she's right in the middle of all this happening and going on. And it's just amazing how God did that. Here's a chaotic thing going on, the Mm -hmm. pandemic and all these things and da-da-da-da-da-da. And there's Coco, bringing such healing. So she was right there with us. Right on. And then you know how the New York Times reached out to Salvation Army and said, we're picking every state and doing a story on a family in every state. Do you have any recommendations on who we should do a story on? And she said, absolutely, you need to follow Alexis around. So they did. For about four days, they followed me around and rolled right there with me with all the kids and doing all the things. I read that article. It was published in 2020 and then updated a little bit later in September. People can go to New York Times website Mm -hmm. and take a look at that. I like one of the quotes in there where you said, just because I have a car doesn't mean I have enough money to buy food. Mm -hmm. What really happened, especially in COVID, just with the cost of living and everything so crazy, especially in California, especially in Southern California, Mm -hmm. there was a different kind of need like homelessness and hunger it reached deeper into what used to be the middle class right because they were on shaky ground because they were depending on their job they were depending on things that really weren't dependable anymore 
there was a lot of shaking that went on. Absolutely. A lot of people, when they hear food insecurity, right, they think, oh, you don't have money for food. That's what that means. Food insecurity to me and the people that I work with is not necessarily that they don't have the money to buy the food. I mean, of course, they don't have the access. So another problem that came about during COVID is let's say you only eat a certain kind of rice. And that is just the rice that you were raised on. That is the rice that maybe you were raised in your culture with. That's just the type of rice that your family purchases. Families and individuals will be going to the grocery store and that rice has not been there for yeah. months. Yeah. Not days, not weeks, months. That's a food insecurity. Here they have to turn and say, okay, we don't have rice, and that's our staple thing that we eat every day in our household. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to get this? So it's very difficult. That was something that I experienced in all the things that I'm doing. Another thing is kind of get judged when you pull up and get food, and you're driving an okay car. They feel like, well, if they have a car, then then they're fine. Well, what do you want them to do? Sell their car for <laughs> money to purchase food some of them are living in their car yeah and they're trying to find a safe place to park mm -hmm. so that they still have their car when they wake up in the morning yeah it's a complicated multi-layered situation and our old stereotypes and our old way of looking at things will not get this solved right it's much bigger than most of us can even imagine people think oh it's just a simple they're homeless, or it's as simple because they're not educated and they don't have very good paying jobs. Really? Is that it? Have you asked them? Do you know their life? Do you know that they're, maybe their walk is different than what you're assuming? It goes back to a friend that we share. He beat us to heaven recently, but Harold, mm. one of the first things that Harold Brown talked to me when I said, okay, what's the first step, Harold? And he said, ask them their name. Yeah. Look at them. Jesus' eyes. Yep. He made them. They were a kid. Start there. Humanize this situation. And I got a lot of friends that are working really hard on other elements, but the element you're working on because you don't do small things, <laughs> how does this feeding program grow into what it is today? And how does it work today? Super fantastic. Super blessed. I was doing it out of my driveway. All my kiddos in my driveway handing out boxes of food and it just grew and grew. Word of mouth. Lexus is giving out boxes of food. The line got longer and the five cars turned into 20 cars. And then my park manager said, hi, what are you, what, <laughs> what are you a, doing? A question that Alexis has been asked a lot of times in her life. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a family. She helps. Um, my family has mm. been helped and aided by right on. Alexis many times. So. Mm. Um, you guys help me every single day. I know, but I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I want you to describe it a little bit more where it's at right, right now and what you're doing. Because like I said, people are going to be listening to this and they may not be in East County. A lot of them are, but they may want to bless people this way. Yes. So tell me. So when my manager came up to me and said, what are you doing? I told her and she says, well, maybe we can get you a room. There, there are a few rooms that perhaps you could use in our clubhouse. I'm like, fantastic. So I spent every last dollar we had. I mean, really, I said, Adam. 
so I need some money. And he was <laughs> like, okay, what what are we doing? I said, I'm going to get my nonprofit. I'm going to oh, do wow. all the things I have to do because I need to reach out to organizations to give me the food. Yeah. And as much as a couple people like me, right? There's a couple people around town who love me, but they still need that paper that says yeah. you're this. It has to be 1C3. Yeah, it has to be all the things, right? So I did it and it took some time because you have to take this class and you have to do this thing and you have to fill out that and so it took about 9 months and then I got it and I was able to just constantly <laughs> bug the San Diego Food Bank and still I am bugging them on a daily basis. There is food there, but there's things that need to be filled in. I get a lot of produce and I get a lot of bread. That's fantastic, but I need things to fill that in. I need meat, which is so difficult to get for these families right now. I need toiletries. You don't think of that. You don't really think about a roll of paper towels, that's huge because they might not be buying that right now because they're spending the money on the meat. Where I live, about 80% of the families I feed are elderly. And I know that you will agree with me when I say they do need the food, but the conversation is much more needed. Yeah. I see that's a big part of it. I see it in you. I have another friend who has a nonprofit. Her focus is companioning. Yeah. Now, she's also under resources and plugging people into resources. She's amazing. But it's that somebody caring and coming alongside rather than just pointing and going in that direction or say, call this number. It's being in it with them, mm -hmm. which really, truly makes a difference. I am so thankful my prayer every morning every day every hour every time i can think of it is lord i want you to use my hands use my feet use my words use my connections i want to what did i tell you the other day i want to make heaven crowded i want to be used every single day i want to be in his will if i'm that building block wonderful if I am at it, just in the right spot at the right time where a mentally ill homeless man in his 50s who has worked hard up until however many years ago and then was caught up in the fentanyl and is, I'm right there at the right time where he says, okay, Alex, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Take me to East County Transitional Center. I'm ready. Yeah. I want to be the person that, okay, let's go, you're ready. Part of that comes about from having relationship. Like you see them three times, you see right. them eight times, because people in those hard situations aren't ready till they are, and they might not be ready a, a day later. Right. right. So you have to be in relationship with them. And we're seeing some breakthroughs this way. That's why this situation, that's why this problem is so layered and so complicated because we're talking about relationships with people. You cannot blanket categorize everybody with the same mm -mm. stroke of paint. It just doesn't work. And it's hard because there's people who say they want to help, but their ideas are a little different where they kind of don't want to help the homeless because they feel that those people have put themselves in that situation and they if they really wanted to get out then they would you just can't 
put everybody in a box like that. You just really can't. You have to understand that the mental illness of these homeless people are on a level that you and I will never understand. We will never truly get that. So the name of the nonprofit? Amazing Grace. And so how wow. is there a, way, a website? How do they get in touch with you? And I'm calling out to a couple of different types of people. I do want to take one step back. Yes. There are people who don't want to work with homeless people or mm -hmm. people who are experiencing homelessness as we refer to them these days. But that's why there's a pregnancy care center. Mm -hmm. That's why there's a youth venture. That's why there are places where God built you to go, yes, I will go do that. I used to work with junior hires. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> that's for somebody else that's much braver than I am. But so that's the thing. This isn't necessarily for everybody, right? Right, right. But for the person that's going, you know what? My heart's beating a little faster. I'm getting those Holy Spirit goosebumps right now to help or to the other people who need the help right now. And one of the things that came out in that New York Times article is there's people who are embarrassed that they need help and they don't want anybody to know. Right. So one important thing is there's two groups of people, the people who need help and the people who want to help. And that's what I love being, a bridge for that. So the people that want to help or the people who need help, how do they connect with you? Yes. So my fantastic, amazingly talented brother. He is. I've met him. He's fantastic. He created a beautiful website for Junction 101. And through that website, people are able to read about the Amazing Grace program and how it was born and can contact me through there. Okay, very good. Until I call your brother and tell him to make a website <laughs> just for you. Really? Over there for I know, Amazing yeah. Grace. I'll get on the phone. And we'll put the address in the show notes. Yeah. Very, very good. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want you to pray for the people who need help and the people who want to help so that we can connect them, okay? Okay. Go for it. Heavenly Father, we need to reach the elderly. We need to reach the children. We need to reach the homeless. We need to reach everyone in between. We need you, Father, desperately. We need you to... Just lay your hands over our sight that it may grow. And Father God, I ask that whatever it is that we need to be doing, that you present that to us. We want to be right in your will, right directly in your will. Father God, close whatever needs to be closed and open what needs to be opened. I want to be doing that. I want to be working in that sweet spot because you've created each and every one of us with a purpose. And I want to be living up to that purpose, Father God. And I want everybody to know, every single one of us has a purpose. You created us for something amazing and wonderful and to be a blessing. I want that for every one of us. Whether it's the homeless man on the street, whether it's the 10-year-old boy working four hours a day helping me sort, whether it's the... 85-year-old woman that comes down and just sits just to be with us. Every single one of us has a purpose, Father God. And I ask that you remind them that they are created beautifully and that they have a purpose and they're so important. Continue to bless Amazing Grace, Father. I ask in your mighty name, Father God, please, Jesus, there are so many more people that need it. And I won't stop till we get every 
last one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.